our series uh, that we started a few weeks ago called Pray About It. Pray About It. And we've been looking at some messages dealing with prayer and uh, some of the some of the things that we run into that can kind of be challenges to our prayers, uh, frustrations when we pray. Anybody ever get frustrated when you pray? Okay, we're going to talk about that today. And uh, some things that could actually kind of stand in the way of our uh, seeing answer come uh, when we go to the Lord in prayer. And we're going to take a look at a at a man by the name of Naaman. I think I'm going to do something I've never done before. I actually preached from uh, this passage earlier this year, I discovered, but this is a totally different sermon, so how about that? So I've never done that in the same year before, so that's kind of strange. Those of you who don't know, I've been here about a million years, okay? So I'm ageless. So it's, it's, um, it's exciting. That's the power of God's Word, by the way, right? Because you could look at a verse, you could look at a passage of Scripture, and it could say something like one day, and then it could speak to you a different way the next day. I mean, that's just the power of God's Word. And um, I want to compare uh, the little journey that Naaman had in getting the answer that he was looking for. And I've titled this message, A Seventh Time. A seventh time. I joked around a little bit recently in one of our messages that we tend to like everything instantaneously, don't we? And uh, it it just, uh, our culture just speeds up and speeds up and speeds up. Um, When I started ministry, there was no internet. (laughs) Okay, yeah, and... Uh, there was no internet. In fact, our computers, okay, we had to like, we had these huge floppy disks, right? Or these huge, remember that? We'd slide that in and slide it out, then put another one in and put that out. And, and it, that was, that's how you got the computer started, okay? Um, when I showed up here uh, 23 years ago, we, uh, I, I, I had, I had a computer with half a gig of uh, storage space on it, and I felt like I was just wow. I am Bill Gates, you know. <laughs> you know. Now my phone has hundreds of times more than that. I mean, it's just crazy the advancement of our of our culture and how that goes. And sometimes that'll bleed into our spiritual lives a bit, especially when we pray about stuff. Because sometimes when we pray. We want it done now. And that doesn't always happen. In fact, we're going to take a look at Naaman, who was directed to do something that was not comfortable at all. And he almost, get this, Naaman almost did not get his answer. Was that close. But thankfully, it happened. I want to talk to the Naamans in this place here today who might be just a little bit frustrated and maybe even ready to give up on that thing that you've been praying about for so long. And, and, and you're there, you're, you're a little disappointed and, and you're, you're ready to give up. 
And I just want to challenge you today to go a seventh time. Let me show you what I mean. We're in 2 Kings chapter 5. Y'all there? 2 Kings chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible with you, uh, the screen will have all my scriptures for you. And uh, we'll look at this together. If you're able to, could you stand with me and honor God's word as we read this together? Now Naaman, you ready? Now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. Uh, I just lost my place on the screen. I should look at my notes. <laughs> Get your glasses on, old man. Here we go. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Leprosy. Now, bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. And Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means, go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. Sounds like some of your closets, but let's keep on going. The letter, right, Jonathan? The letter, the letter, the, the letter that he took to the king of Israel read, with this letter, I am sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. And as soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he's trying to pick a quarrel with me? And when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, Go, wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. Now, this is where it gets interesting. You ready? Verse 11, But Naaman went away angry. And he said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord as God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and, and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and he went off in a rage. Naaman's servants went to him and said, my father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more than when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. God, I pray for the Naamans in here. They might even be in a vulnerable spot right now as far as where they're at with their crisis that they're facing, with the journey that they're going through. God, I pray that you would inspire us not to give up, but to do what you've directed us to do. So Lord, speak to your people, I pray. And it's in Jesus' name, and we all said amen. 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 You may be seated. Now again, we don't, we don't see a lot of people with leprosy 
uh, here in the United States so much at all. Um, Leprosy was a terrible skin disease that would eat away at parts of your body, and uh, literally parts of your body would fall off. Um, I like to say you would literally be beside yourself. Um, wow, they're, they're booing. That, that's, that's awesome. In the house of God, they're booing me. Thank you, Will. I appreciate it. <clears throat> so, you know, you, you could, I mean, it, it was just a terrible, terrible disease. And this great warrior, Naaman, had that disease and he needed a miracle. And he went through some stuff <laughs> to get the cure for this disease, to be healed from this disease. And some of the obstacles that he had to overcome, I will tell you, some of us have to overcome as well. Because there are probably more Naamans in here. No, you don't have leprosy, but you, you've got a situation that you have been dealing with for quite some time. And you've prayed about it. And you haven't gotten the answer just yet. And it's starting to take a toll on you. I want to address that. Be, and, and see, we don't like to talk about this. You know, how you doing? Oh, I'm blessed. I'm blessed, brother. I'm blessed. And, and, and in all reality, in all reality, we are just miserable on the inside because we're not getting the answer that we want. How do you deal with that? I want to identify some things that could stand in the way of us getting the answer to our prayers if we're not careful. This is going to be helpful to somebody here today. Let me show you what I mean. Number one, let's deal with the big one, frustration. Mm. Ever, ever get frustrated in your prayer life where you've been asking God to do something and you don't quite see the answer yet? And again, we have such a microwave, double drive-through uh, type of mentality when it comes to prayer that we think, well, all I got to do is say it and boom, there it is. And then we find out that, yeah, and sometimes that happens, by the way. Okay, I'm not discounting that. But as my brother once said to me, Phil, God is never late, but he misses a lot of chances to be early. <laughs> right? And that's kind of the way God operates. And that can be very frustrating for us especially when we very much want that answer. Because for some of us, some of the things that we're praying about, it's critical. Let, let's, uh, all joking aside, leprosy was a death sentence. There was no cure. Uh, th th there, was, there was no positive side to what Naaman was going through. And so his situation was critical. Maybe for you, your situation is critical. It could be in your home. could be with a relationship. could be uh, at school. It very much could be on the campus, students. It could be with your health. It could be with your finances. But things are critical, and you've prayed. You don't think you've done anything wrong. In fact, let me just free somebody here today. Just because you don't get the answer to your prayer doesn't mean that you're in the wrong. You must not have enough faith. Oh, you say that to me, I'm going to throat punch you. I'm telling you. 
not really. At least none that you can prove. But I, I, I can't stand that. Because sometimes, sometimes God just delays the answer. It's not because I got sin in my life. It's not because I didn't pray the right prayer. It's not because I went to the wrong church. Or it, 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 it just sometimes God does that. And then I read verses 9 through 12. It says, Naaman went with his horses and chariots, and he stopped at the door of Elisha's house. So he thinks he's getting his answer. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored and you'll be cleansed. But Naaman, look at this. He didn't say, Hallelujah, my answer's coming. He went away angry. He said, I thought he'd surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord as God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them? So he turned and he went off in a rage. Naaman got mad because God didn't do things his way. And do you know where a lot of our frustration comes to in prayer? Because God, he'll answer you, but he won't always do it your way. I'll get to that in a little bit. And our frustration with God, you know what it really comes down to? It comes down to how much I trust him. You know, our worship team just saying, I trust in God. But sometimes that trust is as much as we have scripted him out to do it. God, I trust you to do things my way. Hallelujah. Oh, God, I seek you, and I ask you to do it exactly how I want it done. Amen. And then he doesn't do that. And so we get flustered, and we get frustrated. And then that frustration can actually become anger. And that anger can actually cause us to separate a little bit from God and distance ourselves a little bit from God. And then we're distancing ourselves from the people of God. And we distance ourselves from church. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves, we find ourselves a bit isolated. We're, we're no longer uh, surrounding ourselves by, with people who could help us through this thing. Students no longer go to Chi Alpha. People no, no longer go to Bethel Church. Why? Because I'm mad. I'm mad. What I do, I didn't get the answer to my prayer, so I'm mad. I had nothing to do with that. The church, had, but this is the thing. That frustration turning into anger will make you very, very unreasonable in your spiritual life. You'll make irrational decisions. You'll, you'll do things that when you were trusting God correctly that you normally would not do. That's what spiritual frustration will do. And that's when it comes to the point where I got to say, okay, God, I don't get it. I don't understand, but God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. Anybody like to fly? We got pilots here. All right. Okay. We got a button. All right. 
our pilots. If a passenger came up to you with their carry-on and said, let me tell you how y'all ought to fly this thing. Okay, how ridiculous would that be? Unless it's your instructor. But, <laughs> but me, I show up and say, you know, hey, Alex, uh, this is how you should fly this. You'd be like, get a parachute and, and you know. <laughs> or better yet, don't. And just, boom. <laughs> how crazy. Why, when I get on that plane, I am trusting Alex to get me there safely. He knows how to fly the plane. When I'm trusting God... I'm not telling him what to do. Say, okay, God, you're the one in control. I trust you. I don't know how to do it, God. (laughs) Sometimes I think I do, but I got to trust you. Your spiritual frustration gets countered by your trust in God. And maybe for some in here today, that's precisely what you need to pray. God, help me to trust you more than I trust myself, more than I trust another individual, more than I trust anything or anyone. But see, that frustration then can lead to the second thing that could stand in the way of getting your your prayers answered, and that is this sense of expectation. Your expectation. I'm going to unpack number one, a little bit more here. Again, look at verse 11. But Naaman went away angry and he said, I thought that you would surely come out to me and he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord, dramatic effect added, and wave his hand over the spot, say, baby, and cure me of my leprosy. I added that. Message Bible. Um, and you know what's interesting? You know what's interesting? Because I, I've, I've, I've met people who they know exactly how it ought to go, right? But get this, okay? These were his expectations. Okay, did, you read, did you read how Elisha handled this? I don't want to talk to him. Servant, you go talk to him. <laughs> Boy, there would be a mean email on that one if I ever did that. Right? The man of God is supposed to come out and call heaven down and wave his hand and pray for you. And what does he get? He gets a servant and says, hey, you know what you ought to do? You ought to go over <laughs> You should go to the Jordan seven times, okay? Okay, have a good day. Good luck with your leprosy. (laughs) Bye-bye. And Naaman's Naaman's standing there. It's like, oh, wait a minute. Where's the fire of God here? Where's the man of God? Why did he send his hairdresser out to, to, to talk to me? What is going on? Boy, that was funny. What is going on? I thought for sure he would come out and wave his hand and, and get the deep preacher voice and, 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 and nothing. Well, that's not right. You know, and isn't it interesting that 
Sometimes we approach God and we say, okay, God, I am totally expecting you to do it this way. I, I, I need lightning, maybe confetti cannons, that'd be cool. You're healed. But then, then I discovered that, well, maybe, maybe, maybe God wants to do something when I'm privately with him. Not saying that this dynamic is bad, because this dynamic is important. But could it be that God might just answer your prayer when it's just you and him? See, sometimes I think we're more dependent on how God answers our prayer rather than the one who answers our prayer. Because I've just learned that God will do it any way he wants to. I make the joke, you know, I've got a financial need. So... I'm praying. Oh, I'm praying that Publishers Clearinghouse would just pull up in my driveway with the big check and the balloon bouquet and everybody piling out there and saying, you're a winner. And then God says, well, I've, <laughs> that's cute, but I've got a, I got a different way to do this for you. What? Where's the big check? You mean I got to work? Yeah. And, and sometimes our expectations are so specific that when God blurs those lines or just acts outside of those lines, it throws us off spiritually. And maybe you're there where you, you have been really obsessed with how God does it rather than just the fact that God will do it. You're, you're, you're more fixated on the process instead of God. And, and maybe it would do us some good. Maybe we'd be less frustrated if we were way more dependent on God. And we just say, okay, God, however you want to do it. But it doesn't stop there. Number three, uh, sometimes we allow the directions of God to really mess us up. Did you hear what the servant said? He said, go wash in the Jordan seven times. And look at Naaman's response in verse 12. Are not Abana and far part of the rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash them be cleansed? So in other words, okay, God, I know what you're directing here, but I think I have a better idea. Do you know where we get in trouble? We get in trouble when God says, okay, this is what you should do. This is how you should conduct yourselves. This is how you come to me. This is how I want to guide your life. And then we say, you know, I think I got a better idea, God. Now, give me a few. And what happens, we just make a mess. And when that doesn't work, boy, we get really mad. We become more distant from God. I've learned that 
God has outlined for me how I should do life and how I should pray and how I should worship and how I should do this. And it's all here. It's all here in the Word. It's not always easy. It's not always easy. God says, Phil, you got to forgive that person. And I say, well, you know, I'd rather slash their tires. <laughs> Just once. And uh, God says, no, what's my word say? Elisha, the man of God, was directed by God to tell his servant to tell me. Uh, that is so funny to me. Go wash in a dirty river and you'll be healed. Oh, by the way, do it seven times. And Naaman's like, okay, we got a lot cleaner water at home. Uh, I, I really don't I really don't like the way you're going here, God. I don't like this process. See, some of you, you've prayed, you've held in there, but you're at the point now where it's like, I don't like this. Because this water that God's directing me to is kind of funky. It's kind of gross. I don't enjoy I don't enjoy this, God. This is not how I would have scripted it, Lord. I don't understand this. And what happens? How do we respond when the way that God chooses to answer our prayer is far from what we would want him to do? How do we respond? Oh, he's answering but it's far from what you're expecting. Again, that's that word, trust. Trust. I don't have it on the screen, but the book of Isaiah tells us that God's ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than mine. And I've said this before, I think we even have it as one of our, our, our reels or something like that on YouTube. And I, I'm in this box of mine, and I only understand things in this box, and it's so limiting. And then there's God who's so far outside my box. And I'm like, God, do this in my box. And God says, no, I'm bigger than your box. No, I could do a lot more than that. And it's hard to be taken out of our comfort zone. It's hard to not be in control. Let me try this side. It's hard. It's hard to not be in control. And as a self-confessed control freak, I will tell you that that might be the part of my life that I struggle the most in my spiritual journey is giving up control having to fix everything myself because I got to trust God to do it. And I get arrogant enough to think that I could do it better than God. And he has to correct me there. Maybe that's you too. And then finally, 
I think we can get a little bit upset about the duration, the length of time it takes for the answer to come. For me, if I would have been instructed, okay, just dip in that yucky water once. Okay, here we go. Splash. Oh, a second time. Whew. Okay. Splash. I'm not enjoying this. I'm not seeing any improvement yet. Ooh. I'm not seeing any improvement yet. Third time, fourth time, fifth time, sixth time. What if Naaman had said, I have had enough of this bath. I've had enough of dipping myself in this water. I'm done. I'm done praying. I'm done waiting. I'm done trusting. I haven't seen an answer yet. I've done everything you've told me to do, we say. I have done exactly what I've been encouraged to do. I haven't sinned. I haven't started selling crack. I haven't started doing anything bad. I haven't given up on God. And here I am. I am still not healed. So I'm done. Sixth time. He would have missed it. He would have been one-seventh off. Jonathan, what's that percentage? 14? I don't know. Um, Huh? Okay, sure. (laughs) Sure. Okay. (laughs) Now he's doing the math. So I should have prepared that. But he was just, let's say, 60. He was that much, he could have been that much away from getting an answer. I've met so many people that were that close I met so many people that were that close to seeing a breakthrough, that close to seeing an answer, that close to seeing something really great happen, and they gave up. They gave up. I want to talk to the Naamans out here. You've been in the water six times, and you're getting a little tired of it. Or maybe it's five times or four times, but, but you... you You've prayed, you've gone to church, you've, you've done all the things you think you're supposed to do, and it just doesn't seem to be working. Take a look at verses 13 and 14. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more than when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times. As the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that, of a young boy. Naaman, if you'll just hang in there. Naaman, if you'll just refuse to quit. Naaman, if you'll just go down a seventh time. I know six times under the water has been frustrating. I know it's taken a while. I know you've been praying for this. Look, folks, we have seen God answer prayers that were prayed for for years. I'm not talking days. I'm not talking hours. I'm not talking weeks or months. I'm talking years. In some cases, decades. Are you willing to pray for years for the answer to take place? Or or are you just willing to, after that sixth time in the water, just say, I give up? 
Naaman, don't give up. Go down a seventh time. What if Naaman had given up six times? What, 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 if, what if the person who prayed for you stopped? Some of you in here, we, we prayed for you. And you're here now. What if we'd all stopped? God might have done, but, but I do know this, that God works through the prayers of his people. Don't quit. Naaman, don't stop. Go down a seventh time. Pray another day. Stay close to God another day. Keep your relationship with God close. Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop, Naaman. Jonathan, if you could help me out. I've never done this. But I got to give you some bonus material to the sermon. <laughs> so I called it bonus material. Thank you. <laughs> they do not teach you that in preacher school. <sighs> okay. But I want to point out some things. Look at verse 2. Now, bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. Verse 3 says, she said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who's in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Then we jump down to verse 13. Naaman's servants went to him and said, my father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more than when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? Do you know? See, some of you are thinking, well, all right, I'm good. I'm good. I'm not doubting God. I haven't been praying for a long time. This is obviously for the other guy. Thanks, Pastor. Appreciate it. Okay, then, then this bonus material is for you. Because you know what we have here? We have, we have a couple of instances where some unnamed servants decided to speak up. And because of those unnamed servants, you ready for this? Naaman got healed. Some of you aren't catching this yet. See, we, we, we see Elisha, who basically just sat in his recliner and sent his servant to say everything. But to me, you know who the real heroes are? an unnamed servant girl who said, you know what? I heard about this prophet in Samaria. People get healed because of him. Naaman should go there. And, and then Naaman's servants, when Naaman is saying, I give up, oh, I'm tired of this. I don't want to do this anymore. And then there was some unnamed servants that said, whoa, 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 Naaman, don't give up now. Don't give up now. You've come too far. Get in the water. Don't stop. Are, are there some unnamed servants in this room who know somebody who's ready to give up? And you're the one. Hear me. You're the one that can go to them and say, don't give up. Come on. 
Hey, I'll, I'll lead you to the water. Don't, don't stop praying. Don't give up on God. Don't separate yourself from people who love you. Don't do that. And you don't need the credit. That's why I'm glad that they're not even named here in this story. Because it wasn't about them. Mm. And it's not about you. And it's not about me. But if we see somebody who's hurting around us, maybe in this church, maybe somebody in our circle of friends, students, maybe somebody on the campus, you see somebody who's just ready to give up. Could you be, could you be that nameless servant that can go to them and say, hey, come on, don't give up. I'm here for you. I'll listen to you. I'll pray with you. I'll take you to church. I'll lead you the way that you need to go. You might be ready to give up, but I'm not going to give up on you. I'm praying for you. You might even say you hate me, but I'm still going to love you, and that's going to drive you nuts. If you think I'm joking. We, we need some servants that maybe you're not going through what Naaman went through. Maybe you're not going through the grief that Naaman was going through, but, but maybe you have before. Maybe you've seen God do some things in the past, or maybe you just care so much about that person, you'll just say, hey, don't give up. I am there with you. Who is that person that you can reach out to this week who's on the verge of giving up? And you could be the one that could lead them to the water. Naaman, don't give up. Servants of God, don't be afraid to speak up. Naaman, maybe you need to go down a seventh time. Maybe you're a little frustrated. Maybe you're angry. Maybe you don't get it. Can I free you from the need to have it all figured out and just say, okay, God, I trust you. I trust you. You don't even have to like it. But you can say, God, I trust you. Naaman, don't walk away from the water now. Don't walk away from the water now. Could you stand with me? Two ways to respond to this. To the Naamans that are in here, get back in the water. Get back to prayer. Don't distance yourself from, from the rest of the body of Christ. You need them and they need you. Naaman, go to the water. Well, I've already been to the water six times and I don't like it. Go a seventh. God has something for you. And to the non-Naamans here... <laughs> never use that category in my life to the unnamed servants is there somebody that God can drop in your heart and to your mind this week that you could encourage that you could possibly be the one to keep them from giving up that you yourself could be the one that could keep them from walking away from the water and just saying, hey, I'll walk there with you. I'll pray with you. I care about you. 
It could be an email. It could be a text. It could be a phone call. It could be a letter card. It could be just talking to them face to face. Can you be that unnamed servant that can encourage a person who's tempted to give up? I want to make this place a place of prayer now where we can go to the Lord and say, God, I feel like Naaman today. And I'm just coming to you again. Help me not to give up. I need your strength. Or you'll say, God, this person, some of you already know who that person is. I want to pray for them right now. God, give me an open door this week that I can encourage them. And if we could have that kind of prayer going on in this place before everybody leaves, I think God would do something very special in here and this whole week. So I'm going to say a prayer. When I say amen, I'm going to give you an opportunity to seek the Lord today whomever you are, whatever you're going through. And don't leave until God's done with you and you with him. Or we're going to make this a place of prayer. If you want a fellowship, let's do it out in the lobby so we don't bother anyone who's praying. Jonathan's going to worship on the platform as you pray. And let's seek him together. So Jesus, God, for all the Naamans that are in here that are tempted to give up, I pray that you'd help us go down to the water a seventh time. God, some of us, like Naaman, haven't even gotten to the water yet. So, God, I pray that we'd listen to you, that we'd obey your word, and, God, that you would begin the work that you want to do. God, for those that have some Naamans in their lives, I pray for open doors of conversation. God, I pray for opportunity. And God, make us sensitive to your Holy Spirit's leading when we do this. Use us, Lord God, that we could possibly even be the one that causes Naaman to turn around and get back into the water. So Lord, lead us, comfort us, and strengthen us, I pray. And it's in Jesus' name.